I'm joined by Tara Button, CEO of Buy Me Once and author of the book, A Life Less Throwaway. Thank you very much for joining me today, Tara. Hello, lovely to be here. Excellent, glad to hear it. And where are you taking the call from? Uh, from the lovely village of Nebworth. It's uh, a lovely sunny day and I can see trees out of my window. So beautiful. Yeah, so it's a nice place to live. And I, I was really surprised to read, uh, speaking about what you do, about the fact that consumer goods are designed to break after a while. Um, that sounds a bit counterintuitive and, and kind of crazy and a bit unfair, actually. So why, like, why would they choose to do that? That's <laughs> not very nice. <laughs> Um, well, it, it was decided um, that people were buying things and keeping them too long kind of back in the 1920s. And so right. people started to um, use planned obsolescence as a way of getting people to buy the same stuff again and again. Mm. And it worked really well for the industries that tried it, the most famous uh, being the light bulb industry. They actually all got together and signed a pact to say that even though they had the ability to make light bulbs last 2,500 hours, um, they would make them all last 1,000 hours. And wow. if they um, made a light bulb that lasted longer than that, they would agree to be fined. So you can then see the chart after this agreement of light bulb longevity just goes down and down and down. Uh, which is which is really sad, but essentially what companies found is that so long as they could market the goods as something that was attractive to buy, the mm -hmm. longevity could be stripped out of it, and that had a uh, a benefit to them because it meant that um, the customer would keep on having to rebuy it. You know, yeah. nylons became much less durable. And um, it's not as simple as people like putting kill chips in our blenders, although I think sometimes it feels like that happens. Just Is that a real warranty. thing? <laughs> um, well, there are conspiracy theories, but yeah, um, I don't think that is what's happening. What, what's really happening is that kind of year after year, um, the quality is stripped out of the products because the company's kind of telling the engineers, hey, you have to strip. 10% uh, of the cost of building this mm. product out. And you can only do that for a few years, um, yeah. like cheapening certain materials before the longevity is it, uh, is really badly effect, affected. Yeah. And um, essentially what that creates is, is a world where we're now used to our kettles breaking after a couple of years we're used to our toasters and our microwaves breaking after a few years our washing machines even yeah and um, we're not getting angry enough about it because they have the ability to make it last longer it might cost a bit more but they're choosing to race to the bottom on price instead yeah well i guess um from the consumer's point of view that's nice that you can I mean, this happened to me probably a year ago now where um, our fridge refrigerator broke and we, I tried fixing it and ultimately it was, it was just done. And the, I, I had someone come in who recommended rather than fixing it, which would cost a lot of money, um, he just said, buy a new one. Um, it's going to be cheaper to buy a new one 
than to fix the part that's broken. And I asked him for advice. I said, well, do you have any recommendations? I mean, what what do you recommend? He said, buy the cheapest one because even if you buy, and it was 200 pounds, the cheapest one. Uh, He said, even if you buy the most expensive one, it'll last for about the same amount of time. You're just basically spending money on kind of gizmos and, and bells and whistles that don't actually help. They're a bit more convenient, but that's about it. Yeah, it, it's it's a big problem. There is disparity between the longevity of some of the brands, but um, it is a problem that the longevity has has drastically come down. In fact, um, with, when it comes to kitchen appliances, they break at double the rate they used to of two thousand and four. So, you're you're looking at um, you know a, a problem that exists, but for some reason, because I guess we each experience that moment of breakage individually. We're not clubbing together to get angry enough to get it changed. That's part of the reason why, um, you know, buy me once exists. I want Mm -hmm. to change that. I want to um, get life cycle labeling on all appliances so that when you go into an appliance Mm. shop, you can see, well, this is a kettle that will last me for two years and it costs a tenner. This will last me five years and it might cost 20 pounds. This costs, this, this might last me 15 years and it costs 30. As soon as you've got that sort of guarantee, then you know what value for money is. Yeah. Because so that- you can like see it over the, over time. So that life cycle label would basically just say how long the product should last for or how long it's designed to last for. Yeah, so my idea is that um, the, each manufacturer gets to pick the number, um, but that they have to take complete responsibility for that product within that time. So it's essentially like warranty information, but mm. it's completely standardized across all appliances and it's a standardization that's really important and uh, we know that when energy efficiency labeling came in that it had a massive effect on the way that people bought things they looked at the energy efficiency label and they went oh well this is a, actually a little bit more of an expensive machine but because it's more energy efficient it'll save me money on my electricity bill and so it got them to think beyond just the original price yeah so it's almost like a guarantee to a certain degree yeah it it is but it would it would have to be kind of enforceable in terms of what it meant by law and it would have to be completely kind of standardized and that way you can say you know this is the price per year of this product and in the same way as when we go into a supermarket Mm -hmm. and look at a whole load of loo roll it's like well this is this is a nine pack of loo roll and it's 20p per per roll and this is a four pack of loo roll and it's you know 50p per roll it's about the value for money and that people need to have access to that data otherwise it's impossible to make good decisions absolutely especially with uh with clever marketing and pretty pictures on boxes and yeah exactly you know you're looking at a whole lot of kettles and it's like well i don't know so i'll pick the red one you know (laughs) (laughs) with the little button that makes things the little thing go up um yeah yeah, it reminds me what you're saying of um when you go into stores and they also have the standardized pricing in terms of one the uk it's 100 grams um and that way you can just see i mean if you're looking at you know 10 different 
products that are all the same. Um, yeah. You can just tell based on price which one is most. Yeah. Kind of it's, a. It's yeah, so confusing yeah. without that type of information, and we need it, and we need it for longevity. So mm. that's what we're going to try and get. So you, longevity. Um, I love this word because it's basically the, to a certain degree the exact opposite of planned obsolescence, which is um, what we were just talking about. Um, so I've, I, what, I, what I remember reading on your website, and this was actually um, a bit of a mind-blowing moment for me because I'd never actually considered it. And that's what you always talk about is the fact that um, creating products is where most of the energy is spent. Obviously, throwing stuff away is not good because of the landfills and all of that, but actually creating the product, like you mentioned a kettle, and we're in the UK, so one of the, our favorite topics is the kettle. Um, <laughs> all so, about the tea. <laughs> all about the tea. Um, so creating a kettle requires energy to make it, like you take all the metal and put it all together, and then also it takes tons of energy to actually mine the metal and get the metal from somewhere, and then to yeah. deliver the metal to the fa factory, and once it's built, then you actually have to deliver it and distribute it, and then people have to go pick it up. Yeah. So um, my understanding of Buy Me Once is basically if you are going to buy a new kettle, uh, just do it once so that yeah. that process doesn't need to go oh, happen like 10 times throughout your life. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, I think as soon as you know that that's where most of the damage to the planet is done, yeah. it makes absolutely no sense to buy something even if it it kind of seems a little bit more eco-friendly if you have to buy it 10 times that completely wipes out the the, the um, benefits that mm. um that kind of carbon um neutral thing kind of yeah. gives you so um it's it's really important that we th think about longevity when we think about the, the mix of eco-buying um, in almost every study that I've seen, the, the longer lasting product is the more eco-friendly product just because um, more energy d doesn't have to go into it and it can be used multiple times by multiple people. Mm -hmm. It holds its value. It can just continue to be a, um, a good source of um, you know, something in the world. So yeah. um, you know, part of the forces that kind of, swing us away from that is not just planned obsolescence but psychological obsolescence so you know fashion and mm. and things like that it's not it's not the fact that the product can't survive it's the fact that we're told that the product isn't good enough anymore oh it's so 80s why do you still have that it's so dated how can you still have you know how can you still have that sofa in your house um you know we through very clever marketing are essentially made to hate things that we used to love uh, so that we, <laughs> you know, voluntarily, yeah. voluntarily throw them away <laughs> and buy new yeah. stuff. Oh, man, it's so true. I'm just thinking, as soon as you said that, it just reminded me of all the times where I was looking at a product, which is otherwise, that I have, which is otherwise perfectly fine. And I can't think of anything in specific at this moment, but I remember the feeling very distinctly looking at it and be like, this thing still works, it's still good. But I just, I just hate it now, and I'm tired of it. And it's like, I want something new and shiny. Yep. And uh, <laughs> oh man, 
Yeah. And that's what, that's what you talk about in your book as well. Right. Cause you're, you, you basically were the marketing person who I was that person. Yeah. That's what you used to do. Thinking of all the ways that I could make people feel dissatisfied with their lives so that they would fill that hole with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I know how it works and it's a very, um, subliminal thing we don't talk in terms of you know your old stuff's bad you know you um you should throw it away you need uh, something new it's very aspirational so it speaks to a different part of you the less cognitive bit the more yeah. emotional bit so we'll speak in terms of like you know refresh your life turn your room around you know the, all of the, this kind of language that doesn't um get people actually thinking well you know is this a use is this a good use of resources is this a good use of my time yeah. and money it gets people just kind of thinking in terms of the emotion of you know because sometimes people do feel kind of tired and the idea that a new sofa is going to refresh their lives you know uh, it could be very attractive yeah um, and and so you use those terms Marketing so manipulative and it's yeah. interesting because like we're so used to that message that what even when you're talking about it now a new sofa refreshing my life i mean putting it in in that specific terms i'm, I'm looking at my sofa right now <laughs> as you're saying it but like if i were i could easily imagine saying you know a new sofa would refresh my 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 home and make me feel like I don't know. Um, I have a, I have a new beautiful place to live, and you know guests will love it and all of this. But I feel like we're so accustomed to that language that it's actually not surprising at all. And I almost believe it. Like you know, you're saying refresh your life, and I'm like, I can see that. I can see why it would do that. <laughs> um, but it's like we've I've been bombarded with that my entire life. Yes, yes, and um, it's it's a problem because. Any eco message and any message about slow consumption or mindful consumption has to battle against the 3,000 marketing messages that we're seeing every day. Yeah. All of the brands, you know, promising us the earth, telling us our lives would be so much better if we engage with them. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they play on all of our deepest fears and deepest instincts. So, exactly, yeah. Um, the fashion industry is particularly bad in this uh, respect. The way that they get you is by claiming that by buying their products, they will give you status, essentially. And they do this um, by showing us pictures of all, all these models kind of going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if anyone's watching the video, I, I'm, I'm giving uh, Daniel a kind of... <laughs> You know, <laughs> evil, evil stare essentially you know, down my nose. Yeah, exactly. And if you came across someone in real life that looked at you that way, you'd be like, "Oh my god! Like, what is wrong with this person? Yeah. Why? Why? Why do they? Why problem? do they? <laughs> why do they think I'm shit? Like, literally, <laughs> like you know, why uh, are they looking at me like I'm a slug on the bottom of their shoe? Uh, because that's what they're doing out of these magazines and what they're doing is they're speaking to that very primal, very paranoid part of our brain that still thinks it's living in a forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if it gets, you know, if its status is questioned, it's going to get kicked out, the, out of the tribe. Yeah. 
and it's going to lose its food supply and die. Um, so, you know, this part <laughs> of your brain, brain is yeah. act- exactly the lizard brain, and and this part gets activated and goes, oh goodness, my, I feel my status being questioned by this ad, um, and this isn't a conscious thing, um, but the um, the response is to kind of look at that person and see what they're doing to get status. And of course, what they're doing is clutching a handbag. <laughs> and I'm so just, through just, that, they get you to buy this stuff. And yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah, it's amazing. I, uh, I'm just thinking now that, that you're talking about and you're showing me the look of looking down, I'm just thinking about all of the uh, ads for clothing I've seen, especially in London, because um, you're, you're constantly at bus stops and they're, they're really everywhere more so than... I've noticed in California at least. And um, what I, one thing I'm remembering is that oftentimes the photo is actually taken from the bottom up, mm-hmm. which gives them an even, it makes them need to look down. And when they look down that way, it's a very, it's a very natural reason to look down because the camera is facing is from the kind of taking it from the bottom angle. So it doesn't feel like they're looking down at you. It's more like they're just looking at the camera, but it happens to be looking down at you. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I have never considered that. Oh man, I'm never going to look at ads again. The same way. <laughs> I'm going to try not to look at ads either. Well, actually, I would suggest the opposite. I would suggest that if you if you don't look at ads, then because they're speaking to a subliminal part of you, um, they still get you. Mm. Whereas uh, if you mindfully and consciously look at them and go, you know what, I I no. Uh, I'm, I'm not buying this. You're yeah. not better than me. This handbag does not make you better than me and I don't need it. Then it loses its power, but it needs to be a conscious thing. And actually just doing it a few times to a few ads can get that kind of little bit of thinking into your head so yeah. that it can quiet that subconscious set of you. Yeah, it's a really, really great, great point. Um, rather than just avoiding it, become aware of how it works. So when you see it, you're just like, huh. There it is. That's so interesting. Yeah. And then you can move on with your life and not feel bad about yourself. Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, this is really, I, I love talking psychology stuff, especially when it comes to advertising and sales. I, and I want to make sure that that I have a bunch of questions about uh, buymeonce.com um, because I think the work that you're doing there is really cool uh, because it's essentially counteracting. I mean, you're, you're like anti- uh, uh, all of this stuff that we're, we're talking about. And um, so Buy Me Once is basically a place where I can go and buy a kettle um, just because we're talking about it. Um, and the idea is that it will last maybe not forever, but for a very long time. Is we do that... have lifetime guaranteed kettles on the site. Ah, well, I mentioned mm-hmm. sharing the screen, so let's take a look at some of them just so we can get an idea of what, what it looks like. So these are beautiful kettles, first of all, I have to say. Um, oh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Um, and they're made in the UK, so one more reason to they feel are. good about buying them. Yeah, they, they are stunning, um, the, these kettles. And, um, you know, they sit on your hob rather than uh, electricals because it's so often the electricals that go wrong. Yeah. I've actually looked into why that might be. And I found out that there's a particular part of the kettle 
that um, one particular company has a complete monopoly over and therefore they have zero in kind of reason to make that piece of the kettle last longer. Huh. It's one of the bits that most often fails is the bit that turns off the kettle when it's boiling. You know, I've seen that before. It's so many so people <laughs> end up with a pencil like stuck in the top of their kettle because they need to keep it down. It that's gone wrong essentially. If, oh wow! If um, if, uh, if if you're ending up with a pencil in your kettle, <laughs> so actually one of the best ways to make your kettle last longer is to um, skip the electrics and mm. um, and go for a hob kettle. So you've got the fancy kettles. The Richmond Kettle Company um, make really beautiful kind of heirloom, the kind of thing that you'll pass down to your grandchildren. Yeah. Um, they are a bit more expensive, but mm-hmm. if you just want a very functional kettle and you've got the kind of stellar oh, yes. um, stainless steel stovetop, which is kind of just really sturdy and um, and will last a very long time as well. Yeah, what's cool about these kettles, and I mean, there's so many products that we can look at. Um, I think we should we may as well just stick with with kettles just because otherwise we'll spend two hours just clicking on all the products, which I recommend um, everyone do. And, and I really enjoy doing it myself. Um, but they're, yeah, I mean, what's cool about them is they're, they're, if I were to walk into a kitchen and saw one of these kettles, I would want to ask um, the person about it because it's, it's very much a statement piece. It's like you said, it looks very heirloom. Um, and you, you mentioned expensive. So I, I think it's, it is, Interesting to talk about the price because obviously, I mean, I think if you go on, you know, Amazon.com, for example, you'll see kettles that start at rather than here, they're 225 pounds or 235 pounds. You can mm-hmm. probably buy a kettle for 15 or 20 quid um, yeah. if, if you're interested in that. So, and I, I know this, I'm, I'm convinced you get this question all the time, but I, I, I'm interested in asking anyway, how would, I mean, there are people who are going to say, I can't afford to pay 225 pounds for a kettle. Um, yes. What's the answer to that? Well, I think um, the answer to that is um, if you can't afford to buy it, then, then, then definitely don't. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it's not about saying that you have to spend this type of money. Um we are trying to kind of build out a range that has more price options. We're a really new company in the scheme of things. Um, so we haven't completed all of our range building, sure. but what we're hoping to have is the longest lasting in kind of each, each price range okay. as, mu- as much as possible. Um, so long as it meets our standards of longevity. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is that, you know, if you, um, if, if this is out of your price range, and to be honest, I think with this particular example, it's out of quite a lot of people's price range. This is a, quite an exceptional, uh, you know, handmade heirloom right, um, object. Um, so it, it's got more than just kind of functionality mm-hmm. in there as well, kind of adding to that price. Um but kind of buying a, a secondhand version of okay. a buy me once product, I would highly recommend because mm-hmm. even if it's secondhand, it's still going to have that quality to it, yeah. the ability to last a really long time and to hold its value. Because that's what we're essentially looking for 
when we um, when we research. Got it. And I'm, I'm just going to stop the screen share because um, we can look at kettles all day long. Um, yeah. So you- the other thing to really remember is that it should be about price over time. Um, just the life cycle assessment. Yeah. Thing so you talked about earlier. Exactly. So you said on Amazon you can get a kettle for fifteen pounds. That's probably completely kind of correct (laughs) but how long will that kettle last if that kettle you know breaks every couple of years then very quickly not only do you have a build-up of kettles and landfill um you know a series of annoying events as you try to make tea um with pencils pencils, (laughs) um, it also means that you know actually quite quickly the longer lasting version uh, earns itself out yeah actually so the you know the the 40 50 80 um pound kettles can very quickly become good value for money if they're lasting kind of 20 years 30 years mm-hmm. 40 years which they should have the ability to do yeah it reminds me again of the of the conversation i had with the person who told me to replace my fridge he said that his um I think he was saying, you know, his mom or something still has the same fridge from like the sixties. Um, and it's just very basic fridge and, you know, it may not have cool digital buttons all over it, but it still works. And, yep. uh, you know, it's not that out, fancy. Yeah. Go for simplicity, go for the most reliable brands um, that with with a kind of really simple interface because the more gizmos and gadgets yeah the more there is to go wrong exactly yeah. and at the end of the day what do you really need from a fridge you just need it to be cold <laughs> yeah. so so long as it's cold <laughs> and the door has to open and close um, yes <laughs> those two things together um can you know keep you happy so you know whether the fridge needs to you know, be linked up to the internet and to order you milk when it starts running out. I'm yeah. really skeptical on that. It's, it's a cool idea. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think the more of those things it has, the likelier, the more likely it's, it is to break. Yes. Um, I'm really interested in, you, you mentioned your standards of longevity. Um, cause I know that there is, a, I've read about the, um, the, the way you pick products. There's a pretty in-depth research process, right? There's like the, the five point rating system. Um, so how, I mean, basically how do you pick a product? Like how did you choose those five or six kettles that were, that we were looking at? So it is an amalgamation of, um, scores across our five points. So we look into, um, the materials used. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we're, looking at any product it's like well what materials are generally used for this product and which materials are most likely to um, lead to longevity what does what kind of stresses and strains does this product going to go through and Mm. does this material um allow for that and so and, and then you know from there you can get a sense of like well this is made out of this type of steel and this is made out of cast iron. So this type of steel is actually better than that type of steel. Um, and so you can kind of rate things from, from that point of view. 
you can then look into the construction. So looking into the construction of a product to see how have have that how has that company overcome what is usually the weakest links in a product. So every product's longevity is essentially defined by what its weakest link is. So you know, with the iPhone, it's the battery and the screen. The battery goes, the screen goes. Yeah. Those are the two things um, that most likely kind of go, or it gets water damage. So the things that we might might look for are, you know, can you replace the battery really easily? Can you replace the screen really easily? Or is the screen more unbreakable? Mm. Um, you know, in, in its material makeup. Um, you know, is it waterproof? That it's that those types of considerations. And um, when it comes to kettles, the things that go wrong with kettles the most is that they leak or they um, stop being able to turn themselves off. Those are the kind of the two weakest links. And the um, construction of these products, because they're kind of almost seamless metal, mm-hmm. uh, so it's in- almost impossible for them to leak. Right. Um, uh, and they're on the hub, so... And they're on the hob, so, you know, they whistle when they need to be turned off, uh, which is just really charming anyway. (laughs) I love to hear my kettle singing. Yeah. Um, Singing, it's tea time. (laughs) Exactly. And it it, it gets around those two weakest links. Um, The next thing we look at is actual live customer reviews. So Mm. we'll troll through Amazon and, and John Lewis looking at what, people have said about their, their use case of the um, of the products and if there's anything that kind of speaks to its longevity then we'll kind of take that into account when we um, are kind of giving it our uh, our final verdict yeah um, and then we also look into the um, warranty and the warranty in aftercare is really important for us what we want to do is support companies that support customers to keep their products for the longest time. Mm -hmm. So um, that means, you know, no quibble lifetime warranties. You know, if anything goes wrong with it, we'll take it back. We'll look at it. We'll fix it. Um, That's the type of company that we're we're looking for. And that that definitely um, is a big consideration for us because, you know, even then, if the product might have something that, that breaks, if that company will fix it and fix it for free, ideally, yeah. then um, we'll give it a higher score. Um, and then finally, it's a, it's a question of kind of ethics. And that's more of a kind of making sure that there isn't, a, you know, a, a 12-year-old somewhere making these products. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Um, as, as part of our due diligence. Wow. So yeah, it's quite thorough. Um, I, I imagine if you're looking into which parts of a, you know, of a kettle break the most frequently at, uh, you kind of become an expert in knowing all sorts of things about how products are made. He knows lots of weird, random things. <laughs> just, you, you must be very helpful at pub quizzes now. 
Um, no, not at all, because that's not at all what people ask at pub quizzes, sadly. It's all kind of what, you know, who won what sporting event that's when, and then, yeah. um, you know, what song was on, on the charts when, and then I'm afraid when it comes to both of those things, I'd be absolutely hopeless. Yeah. Don't have me on the pub quiz team. I'm quite good at the dingbats, but not really anything else. Um, I do know lots of random things about kettles, though. <laughs> and all sorts of other products that are and all sorts of other products yeah we, we we've been building up our um inventory team so there's now four full-time people who are kind of really focused in on finding the the products so how long great. does it take to actually do the research i mean to find out the parts that break most frequently and to then go into i would imagine like with with kettles there must be I mean, I want to say hundreds. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but there must be dozens at least that would match, that I could imagine would match potentially the quality. And so you need to go into each one of those, do the research. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Um, sometimes it's um, you know quite long-winded and there's lots of competing brands who are kind of almost at the same level. And that's mm-hmm. when it takes a really long time to kind of unpick that. Yeah. However more often than not for one of the five reasons one of or two of those brands were kind of bobbed straight to the top okay it's quite easy because they they have because of their warranty or or the the particular material that they're made or um some sort of uh, innovative um way of constructing Mm. their product that other brands aren't using so usually there's a, f- a few ways that um the top brands kind of segregate themselves but we're happy to put you know if there are a few different options to put them all on the site and, and allow people to have the choice and, yeah. and see what's kind of important to them within those um within those product categories yeah cool yeah makes sense Hope, yeah I would, I would imagine you have to, there has to be a, a, a time where you just say, right, I've, I've done enough research. It's time to <laughs> make a decision. One thing, one thing I was thinking about as you were uh, describing the, the, all the thought that goes into it is um, going back to the price and yeah. purchasing basically a, um, a product that, that's more expensive. Uh, it becomes a very deliberate decision. Like if, if I were to spend 225 pounds on a kettle, um, the way I would take care of that kettle and the way I would treat it on a day-to-day basis is very different than the way I would treat a 20 pound kettle. Um, yes. And I'm just thinking about, I saw um, a recent blog post on your site just now about a, a headphones that have a four year guarantee, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is quite long for headphones, I, I imagine. And um, yeah, they, you can only get them at, at, at buy me once at the moment. I think we managed to get them to, um, they're, they're, they're very cool kind of modular headphones mm. and you get to choose kind of each piece and, and put it together. Oh, wow. And so we were like, we went to them and we were like, well, if you were to put together your most long lasting kind of construction, um, just for us and our customers, what would that look like? And would you be happy to put a longer warranty on it? Because you're picking all the very best parts. Yeah. Um, and so they did that for us. So we're that's really, awesome. Um, we're we're really um, really happy with that. Yeah, it's exciting. That's really cool. And, and the people who would buy that, I mean, I didn't see the price, but I, I imagine it's more than 
20 quid, um, you, you, (laughs) you would, um, really take care of it. You know, it's like, it becomes so, it's like these headphones I have there, I know they're, they're quite a bit more expensive. They're an investment. Um, they're actually a gift and an investment. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, every time I stop using them, I put them, I carefully fold them back and put them in the pouch and, you know, and I've had them for over two years and they look pretty much they're as good as new. Um, and I would never think of replacing them. There's no need. And this is how people used to take care of their products. Yeah. You know, if you look at our grandchildren, our grandparents and our great grandparents, you know, products weren't these throwaway things mass manufactured in China to own something that you, that you used meant, meant something. And because products were generally more expensive back then. And so you, you, you would take care of it. And we've got out of the habit of doing that. So part of the joy of owning a long lasting product is the, the care of it. Um, and, and the wanting to take care of it, that it Mm. feels worthy of care than something that's, Oh, well, if it breaks, I'll just get another one. You know, there's no joy in that. One thing that you've inspired me to do, I haven't done it yet. Um, but I will soon is to invest in a really nice umbrella <laughs> because um, yeah, as soon as I saw um, or I, I, I read how many times umbrellas can be replaced. And I just thought, especially living in London, I mean, it's. Yeah. The average Brit yeah. buys 1.1 umbrellas a year. So even That's if, if you don't lose them. One, yeah. yeah. I mean, they buy 1.1 umbrellas a year either because they break or they lose them. Um, but I have to say, if you buy a lifetime umbrella, never lose that one. <laughs> don't lose it. Uh, I, I mean, I am the worst for losing things. I, I have ADHD, which makes me particularly susceptible for putting things down and then forgetting it. However, I've never lost this umbrella. I'm convinced I'm going to get one. <laughs> I've always wanted a really cool, nice umbrella that makes me, yeah, like you walk down the street and it, it just looks beautiful and it doesn't break in the wind and, um, yeah. or just from opening it. Yeah. Those are my favorite types of umbrellas. You open it and it breaks because it was opened. Um, yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm conscious of time. So I, one yeah. question I, I always like to ask um, more of as to inspire me to be more envi- environmentally friendly in my life is um, what, what do you do aside from having buy me once and, and investing in really high quality products? What do you do on a day-to-day basis to be environmentally friendly? Uh, in terms of being environmentally friendly on a day-to-day basis, a lot of it does kind of go back to the products that I choose to have in my life because mm-hmm. I've chosen them because they allow me to not buy throwaway things. So yeah. um, I, you know, unless I have a, a stinking cold, I'll use a handkerchief instead of throwaway um, oh, well. hankies. You know, I, there's a zero waste movement and the kind of all the things that kind of go around that. Um, you know, taking our Tupperware to the butchers um, mm-hmm. rather than getting throwaway bags, and we order a vegetable box in because that's the only way we seem to be able to manage to get um, plastic-free vegetables. Yeah, so there's 
you move to the countryside and you think that there's going to be amazing farmers markets, but they're all in London. <laughs> it's really annoying. Yeah, kind of counterintuitive. Wouldn't imagine. Yeah. So we've had to all kind of order in our veg. So, and then I think interestingly, I'm more and more aware about the chemicals that are being used in my life in general, but you know, also in the world. So choosing washing powder and um, washing up liquid that, you know, is going out into the waterways. Yeah. I'm now pretty um, up on not wanting to add to the toxicity of the planet. Yeah, that's a really, really important. I actually recently um, spoke with the CEO of Delphus Eco. Um, yes. And he was explaining just how bad the... Um, how bad that situation is when you use, you know, like a, a product that has bleach in it and um, it ends up in the waterways and like, it's so easy for it to end up in the waterway. And not only that, but when you like spray stuff, that smell, uh, actually speaking of marketing, he was saying that the, that smell is supposed to ma make you think it's clean, regardless of whether or not you're actually cleaning stuff. Like yes. you might just be moving dirt around, but it smells lemony fresh and you're like, oh. Nice, yeah. job well done. But actually, it, you're just inhaling these chemicals that are really bad for you and yeah, you essentially. Yeah, it's like great job companies. <laughs> like, yeah. doesn't clean as well, and it um, yeah, it, it is damaging. So that's yeah. something that I'm um, looking more and more into. And actually, Delphus are one of the brands that uh, work in sustainable workspaces. So oh, cool. Um, yeah, we're pretty close to them. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, cool. Um, oh, more reason to check this place out. Definitely. Um, and finally, where can uh, people learn more about the work you're doing? Um, you know, stay up to date with Buy Me Once and buy the products. Absolutely. Uh, well, go if you're in the UK, it's mm -hmm. uk.buymeonce.com. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in the States, it's just buymeonce.com. And um, you can find us on social media under Buy Me Once pretty much anywhere. And if you want to get in contact with me specifically, um, it's tarabutton.com. Tarabutton.com. Great. Yeah, thank you very much. And um, just in case if people forget to put the UK in front of the Buy Me Once, if you go to buymeonce.com and you're in the UK, a little pop-up asks you, do you want to go to the UK version? So yes, um, don't feel too bad if you forget that part. So. Tara, thank you so much for your time. Um, my, my mind was expanded. Um, I'm never looking at advertising the same way again. I feel like I've got armor now. And uh, I'll let you know when I invest in my umbrella. Awesome. Do some pictures. <laughs> uh, will do. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Tara. Really great conversation. Bye. Cheers. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating. And also, please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.